This is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables. I'm Emily. And I'm Kyle. We competed against each other on Jeopardy. Kyle ended up winning seven games. And we've been chatting about the show ever since. Most weeks, we do analysis of this week's Jeopardy episodes, followed by a deep dive and then a quiz. But this week is a little different. We've got some guests with us. Uh, guests, would you say hi all together? Hi. Hi, hi. all together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So along with Kyle Jones and myself, Emily Brown, uh, we have Kate Tucci Share. Kate, when were you on Jeopardy? Uh, I was season 34, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Dino Alexander. Hey, Dino. Hey, uh, fun fact. I was in the same green room as both Emily and Kyle. Mm-hmm. You sure were. We remember you fondly. For, uh, I do. I guess I, I can't speak for Kyle, but. No, no, no <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, do, I, do, I do too. I do too. I was the overly excitable one. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's great to it's great to be back with you, Dino. Um, we have Marianne Borer. Hi, Emily. Hi, Kyle. It's great to be here. We loved watching you play. We did. Thank uh, you. I was on season thirty-five, four-day champ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have Rowie Hadar. Hi, Rowie. Hi, guys. I was on. I guess it must have been season thirty-five because I was on in July twenty nineteen. You had a tiebreaker situation. I did. I am one of the handful of people to have lost a tiebreaker in Jeopardy history because I wagered zero dollars on a final Jeopardy when uh, I had exactly twice then second place's lead. Um, I have people come up to me or message me or joke with me that I should have bet one dollar. The risk of betting one dollar, of course, is that if second place goes all in and you miss it then they went outright. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Although um, I have to say my, uh, my high school best friend uh, g- gave me as a joke Christmas present, a book with the final Jeopardy about a book about the uh, final Jeopardy clue. Uh, and he said, flip through it, flip through it. And I look in the middle of the book and there was a dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So one of the uh, funniest gifts I've ever received. That is awesome. Amazing. All right. So uh, we are going to revisit Proto Bowl. Uh, if you listened last week, you heard Emily and me kind of stumble our way through the middle school <coughs> questions. <clears throat> really, really represent ourselves well. This week, we're all going to be playing against each other, and we'll be uh, allowing the the program to keep track of the scores. Uh, so the format will be a little bit different. We're not going to do like rounds like we did last week. We're just going to set a timer and go. And uh, at the end of the time, whoever has the highest score is going to be the winner. That's right. And uh, we've done some, we've done some practice rounds. We're oriented to the software. So everybody ready? Ready. Close as I'm going to get. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Question one. <laughs> Here we go. All right, so Rory, you go ahead and read the question. All right. One character in this work runs through the forest, tacking his hastily scrawled love poems to trees, hoping that passersby will see his beloved's virtue witnessed everywhere. One of Duke Sr.'s courtiers, uh, Jaquis, makes a speech which ends, sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. 
That monologue tells of the seven ages of man and begins with the line, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players, featuring the marriage of Touchstone to Audrey and the love of Orlando dressing up as a boy, Ganymede, identify this play in which Rosalind marries Orlando alongside three other newlywed couples, a work by Shakespeare. And the answer is, as you like it. Nice. Yeah. Good pull. Yeah. Did Seven Ages of Man give it to you? I was trying to remember which play uh, Jaquist was from. Mm -hmm. Nice. Roe is the one who did um, high school and college. Is that right? Quiz Bowl? High school and college quiz bowl. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next question. Here we go. All right. Take it away. All right. After Paul Robeson testified to Congress that African-Americans would support the USSR during the Cold War, a man with this job testified the opposite. A person with this job gave a speech ending, I may have had a tough break, but I have an awful lot to live for. Larry Doby, who had this job, was a, was a subject of the noble experiment conducted by Branch Rickey. A month before he died, a man with this job said, Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Chick Gandel, one of these people, caused a 1919 scandal that forced Shoeless Joe Jackson out of his job. For 10 points, name this job held by Lou Gehrig and Jackie Robinson. And that is a... Baseball player, also acceptable, professional baseball player, major league baseball player, or MLBers. Hmm. Yeah, wow. When I saw Branch Ricky about to buzz in and you just beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. I don't think I know this. Oh. Oh. Yeah. oh. Never oh. heard of it. <laughs> All right. I knew everything, but I couldn't think of athlete. I was like, it's to something dying young, but I was like, what was it? Like, to a champion dying young? To a- yeah. <laughs> I'd like to just point out, the first one was a history question, and the second one was a literature question, and they're both about sports. I call shenanigans. Whoever wrote these questions, I, I would like to have a word with them. Yeah. If I'd count this as about sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Close enough. Uh, let me read it out for folks. Uh, this was, uh, nobody got this one. The opening two words, smart lad, in this poem's third quatrain are both stressed, breaking the otherwise iambic tetrameter of the poem. This poem's penultimate quatrain advises, so set before its echoes fade, the fleet foot on the sill of shade. Earlier, the poet contrasts two different occasions when the title figure is carried shoulder high. The speaker of this poem commands the listener to hold to the low lintel up the still defended challenge cup. And it ends with the couplet and find unwithered on its curls, the garland briefer than a girl's. It begins by remembering the time you won your town, the race published in the collection, a Shropshire lad for 10 points named this AE Hausman poem about a recently deceased running champion. Uh, and that is to an athlete dying young, um, obviously very well known. To all six, no. Marianne <laughs> <laughs> had heard of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm the podcast's resident poetry expert. Uh, <laughs> not sure I'm actually an expert. Um, I but I'm really <laughs> bad at it, so she's the expert. <laughs> uh, relative expert, yeah. <laughs> all right, next question. Oh, shoot. Is it this? It's not. Oh. It is. It is. Nice. All these things that I have not heard about since high school quiz bowl. <laughs> um, 
All right. The question. This work often notes that people assume their own infallibility in making judgments. This work, which helped introduce Wilhelm von Humboldt's work to English speakers, claims an Akbar or a Charlemagne is needed for immature barbarians to rise to civility. One chapter of this work describes individuality as, quote, one of the elements of well-being. It asks whether non-believers are persecuted by a Mahomedan countries ban on eating pork. It's not democracy in America, but it argues that rules are needed to curb a tyranny of the, of the majority and that states should only use power to stop one person from harming another in keeping with the harm principle. For 10 points, name this work by John Stuart Mill about individual freedom. And that work is on liberty. Nice. Yeah. All right. Rowie is at 30 points and the rest of us are all tied at zero. Uh, <laughs> second place. <laughs> We're all in second place. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yep. I'm Great. still in the hunt. Let's go. <laughs> On we go. Anyone's game. Nice. Nice. Wow. Hey. Nice. The Einstein tensor contains this quantity to the fourth power in its denominator. Maxwell discovered that this quantity is equal to one over the square root of the product of the vacuum permittivity and permeability. Cherenkov radiation occurs when this quantity is exceeded in its local frame. Length contraction occurs as objects approach this constant. The equivalent of mass to energy depends on this constant squared according to Einstein's famous equation. For 10 points, name this constant, the rate at which a photon travels in a vacuum, denoted by the letter C. And that is the speed of light. Very nice. Thank you. All right. Here we go. Next question. All right. I got this one, too. A narrator of this novel dreams that a ghost's hand reaches into his room and breaks his window. A character in this novel throws hot applesauce in the face of a character who insults his hair. A protagonist of this book is adopted from an orphanage in Liverpool. This novel's narrators are Mr. Lockwood, who rents a room who yeah. rents a room in Thrushcross Grange, and the maid Nellie Dean. In this novel, Isabella Linton marries Heathcliff, who loves Catherine Earnshaw. For 10 points, name this only published novel by Emily Bronte, and that is Wuthering Heights. And that is like it's like ten hours of my life. I'm never getting back. <laughs> Seriously, right. you mean you didn't like reading about brooding teenagers? And I didn't. No, no. Yeah, they would get along really well with. Uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Holton Caulfield. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh. Also, when you guys said brooding teenagers, for some reason, I this made me think of Wuthering Heights. I haven't read it yet, but it made me think of Wuthering Heights as a 19th century twilight. <laughs> huh. with, so no, right. with no werewolves. Yeah. I feel like werewolves huh. would really have improved Wuthering Heights, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would read that. <laughs> I would not reread Wuthering Heights. Nobody, nobody would read Wuthering Heights. Blah. All right. Next question. Oh, an intro to IR class comes in handy. (laughs) Um, Immanuel Kant noted that because Eskimos, and I'm sorry, that's politically incorrect, but they say Eskimos in here, are dependent upon the ocean to provide them with wood. This phenomenon is widespread in their society. 
In international relations theory, realists reject a theory which states that the spread of democracy and trade leads to this and instead argue that it is caused by deterrence. The Mongol and Roman empires are sometimes credited with namesake with creating namesake periods of this because of their overwhelming power for 10 points name this phenomenon marked by the absence of war that would be peace yep nice by the time we read the end of the question it's so obvious but you buzzed in before it was obvious to the rest of us so yeah all right next question nice i got one (laughs) jeez I quit. I'm guessing on this one. I don't actually know how to say this gentleman, or I assume it's gentleman's name, but Dinkins formula describes the idotype of this process. While another type of this process occurs in plasmas over a magnetic field and it's is named for balm. I am sorry to literally every proper name in this description. <laughs> You're great. Um, the namesake differential equation describing this process reduces to the heat equation when its coefficient is zero, and another law governing it relates flux to the gradient of the concentration field. In addition to being described by fixed laws, a special case of this process occurs with water across a semi-permeable membrane and is known as osmosis. For 10 points, name this process, which involves the motion of a substance down a concentration gradient, and that is diffusion. Nice. Well nice. I, I, I literally had a brain fart there. <laughs> I feel like this reminds me that quiz bowl packets will often like have no pronunciation guide for names uh-huh. like Dinkin and you know Balm, and yet like a word like I don't know osmosis. Like sometimes they'll put like O Z M O E S I S to like tell you that that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right, Roe still is leading with 40. Um, I'm at 20. Uh, Kate is at 10. And uh, everybody else is still uh, within reach. So, um, <laughs> Anybody's next, game. Next question. Here we go. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <clears throat> the Grand Ditch diverts water from the headwaters of this river in the never summer mountains to the Front Range Urban Corridor. The All-American Canal, which replaced the original Alamo Canal, provides irrigated water from this river to the Imperial Valley. The Salton Sea was originally created by floodwaters from this river. John Wesley Powell explored this river's most visited feature. This river flows through Lake Mead, which is created by an arch gravity dam constructed during the Great Depression. For 10 points, identify this river, which flows through Hoover Dam after cutting through the Grand Canyon. And the answer is Colorado River. Mm -hmm. Very nice. I heard Kyle get angry that somebody else answered a Colorado question. (laughs) (laughs) My bad, homie. It's fine. Nope. You're good. good. No apologies. Let me have one, dog. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now let me have one, right? (laughs) All right. Here we go. Next question. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. An October 2017 editorial by the New York Times called the treatment of these people, quote, one of those wrenching tragedies that beggars understanding. Members of this ethnic group are targeted by the 969 and are concentrated in the Rakhine state. Since August 2017, 
clearance operations against these people have caused hundreds of thousands of refugees to flee to Bangladesh, while Nobel laureate Aung San Suu Kyi has been criticized for her silence on the treatment of these people. For 10 points, name this predominantly Muslim ethnic group who face persecution at the hands of the government of Burma. And your answer there are the Rohingya people. The first sentence, I was like, I know this, I know this, I know this, but I kept, I couldn't get to the word. I kept forgetting the mm-hmm. word. I was like, I was like waiting because I'm like, their odds are they'll be writing about or asking about either the Rohingya or um, or the Uyghurs. Right. right. That's. My- See, I was going to say Uyghurs, so I'm glad you buzzed in first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Uyghur jumped to mind, but I was like, no, not in 2017. I know what they're. Yeah. yeah but- That'd be a little bit too early there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. All right. All right. Next question. Nice. Yay. Uh, to be fair, I would not have gotten that if Dino hadn't given me a couple extra seconds. <laughs> Amborella trichopoda is the oldest surviving example of the basal type of these organisms, which are related to magnolids. I don't think I said that right. It's fine. Yeah. One of these organisms gametes passes through this style before engaging in double fertilization. These organisms produce a structure that contains endosperm and is surrounded by a pericarp. These organisms are divided into monocots and dicots, depending on the number of seed leaves they possess. Unlike a related class of organisms, their seeds are contained in a fruit, and their most notable feature contains stamens and pistils. For 10 points, name these flowering plants, which are often contrasted with gymnosperms. And the answer is angiosperms. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, Rowie's at 60. Kate and I are tied for second at 20. Marianne's at 10. Kyle and Dino are going to get in any time now. And on we go to the next question. Man, so fast. I know. <laughs> I could have sworn homeostasis was right. Yeah. But Me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, question. In the secular conformation of this condition, the decay rate of a radioactive element is equal to the production rate of the daughter nucleus. When the, when a system emits and absorbs equal amounts of energy, the radiative form of this condition is achieved. The law of mass action describes this condition, and the thermal type of this occurs when two objects reach the same temperature. The mechanical type occurs when the net force and torque are zero. For 10 points, name this condition where all parts of a system are in a state of complete balance. And the answer is equilibrium. And Marianne buzzed in on that and answered homeostasis, which is definitely what I was thinking. Um, But she lost five points on that. Apparently not. All right. Nice. Yay. In the opening section of his major work, This poet says that men nourish their sins as beggars nourish lice, and proposes ennui, the greatest of all vices. In addition to his prefatory poem, To the Reader, he wrote, That crown will be made of nothing but pure light. In Benediction, the first poem in the spleen and ideal section of a volume that also contains Wine, Death, and Revolt, for 10 points, name this French romantic poet who ran into censorship trouble with his decadent volume, Les Fleurs du Mal, which is often translated as The Flowers of Evil. The answer is Baudelaire. Well done. 
Nice. Thank you. Thanks. Why are there so many poetry questions? Oh! <laughs> no. Why are there so many science questions? Uh, yeah, where did, where did all those classical music questions that were gone last week? Come on. <laughs> Where's the grand opera category? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next question. Here we go. Literature. Yay. Dad, blast. Dang it. In a work dedicated to the seasons of mist and mellow fruitfulness, this poet asked, where are the songs of spring? This poet asked, what maidens loth and what mad pursuit in a poem dedicated to a still unravished bride of quietness? In that poem, this poet of two autumn claimed that all ye know on earth and all ye need to know is that beauty is truth, truth beauty. For 10 points, name this romantic British poet who wrote Ode on a Grecian Urn, and that is Keats. Yeah. I had a, I had a teenage thing about Keats. He's a very tragic figure. Mm. Um, all right, and Marianne lost five points again, so she's back. I did. Again. Yeah, I went. Uh, I went, took it back a little too far to the old school with Andrew Marvel, yeah. is my guess. It's good. Uh, all right, here we go. Next question. Fine arts. Nice. Yes. Oh wow! I didn't realize his name was that long. Okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he replaced the people with radishes in his the temptation of saint anthony while another work features a worker bent over carrying the titular plants in addition to the flower carrier he created a three-layered work which depicted a mound with fists coming out of it rising above the ceiling of an intricate factory another work in that medium has notable features like a group of conquistadors and aztec warriors fighting below an eagle clutching a serpent in its mouth also creating visual interpretations of the Popova for 10 points, name this muralist of Detroit industry and a history of Mexico, and the husband of Frida Kahlo. And the very short answer is Diego Rivera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That long answer, though. Oh, the long answer. That long answer. Yeah. Diego Maria de la Concepcion Juan Nepomucenso. Nope, I got halfway through and I'm going to have to tap out. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. Diego María de la Concepción Juan Nepobolceno Estanislao de la Rivera y Barrientos Acosta y Rodríguez. There it is. There, nice. there you go. I see. Yes. Very good. Good job. It's yep. good to know I got one thing right tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I dithered too long, but I almost said uh, Siqueros. That would have been my wrong answer. Mm. The wrong muralist. Um. I um, am very lucky. I actually went to high school near the museum where the flower carrier is on display. And so I have seen it many, many times over the years. Nice. Um, but I couldn't remember it like at the beginning. And I was like, I can see it. And then yeah. it came to me. Yeah. All right. Next question. So I must have buzzed at the same time as you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Theodore Zinke's reaction prepares the pyridinium examples of these compounds which are typically non-combustible william christopher zysa described an organometallic example and johann glauber discovered one in spring water other examples include zinc acetate potassium dichromate and the magnesium sulfate found in epsom england water in these compounds are the results of acid base neutralizations for 10 points, give these compounds that include sodium chloride, which is found on dinner tables. And the correct answer here is salt. Uh, also acceptable, zinc salt, zysa salt, or glauber salt. Okay, next question. Here we go. 
Yes! Oh, I did it! Nice. I got one! <laughs> Alright, the question is, a popular conspiracy theory held by tax protesters is that some parties in court cases do not actually exist since they are identified exclusively through the use of this technique. Styles that do not use this technique, named snake and kebab, are more commonly used in Python and Lisp than a style named camel that uses this technique in variable names. All five instances of the line, hurry up, please, it's time, are using entirely this technique in T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. Its use is mandated for German nouns while doing it to the English word polish changes its pronunciation and meaning. Much of E.E. E. Cummings' poetry eschews both punctuation and, for ten points, what typographical technique in which lowercase letters are replaced by uppercase ones as capitalization. Which <sighs> Some of these answers, like, by the time we get to the, the answer itself, it's like... It, it's so simple in comparison yeah. to how the question started. I also feel like we have to give a shout out to everybody for like pretty much for, for the most part, we're not getting these right on the last line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. Those of you list, those of you who are listening at home, uh, you know, <laughs> probably don't see that, but we're, we're doing better than it looks. We promise. Yeah. We are, we are racing each other on the buzzer. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Next question. I'm gonna guess. Oh. Uh. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh no. What am I doing? Ah. Why can I not remember? Oh. Oh god. Of course. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh no, what is oh, going on? What is? Uh, what's going on? Stop, sorry. Right. <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> Well, through his keyboard or something. I don't know. Uh, We've lost the question. Here it is. (laughs) All right. One piece in this genre is typically the last piece played by the Vienna Philharmonic in its New Year concert. Three pieces of forehand were written in this genre by Franz Schubert, and one of these pieces was dedicated to Joseph Radetzky von Radetz. The third movement of Chopin's second piano sonata is this type of work for a funeral. One composer created pieces in this genre titled Washington Post and Stars and Stripes Forever. Uh, that's when I got it. And was an American known as the king of this genre. For 10 points, name this genre. I'm going to just keep... Let <laughs> <laughs> me call Alex Jeffrey. <laughs> Repeatedly used by John, John Philip Sousa, a type of piece that typically accompanies the steady walking of soldiers. Um we got in super early and guessed waltz which is what i was thinking at the time and kyle came in after a funeral with dirge uh the correct answer here is march and dino and i were neck and neck on the bus we really were yeah <laughs> i had um, i had like stars and stripes forever boom emily got it first and i'm like yep <laughs> and then i skipped us through like five questions and <laughs> yeah so. It's like, I will never be that angry, though. (laughs) All right. All right. Next question resuming now. All right. Anybody want to read this one? All right. One character in this play chants, you cried for night. It falls. Now cry in darkness. The character relates how he used to go to an asylum to visit an insane painter who would look at a beautiful landscape and see nothing but ashes. The main characters repeat the phrase, me to play, throughout this work, which ends with the character who is unable to sit looking out a window and seeing a boy, then leaving. This play includes an old couple living in a garbage bins 
named Nag and Nell and is set in a circular room with an old man in a wheelchair in the center. The Ten Points named this work about Ham and, and Clove, a play about death by Samuel Beckett. And the answer is Endgame or Fin de Partie. Mm-hmm. And nobody got this one. Um, so. I have a Samuel one. Beckett flashcard that I apparently <laughs> forgot everything from. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know one play by Samuel Beckett, and this is not the one. That was not it. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I had no. that thought process. I'm like, I'm like, this is a play by Beckett, judging from the description, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not the one that I know. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, all right. Next question. Literature again. Yay. Hmm. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Yep. Dad. Boom. Damn it, Kyle. The only thing I can get. Okay. (laughs) This character travels through Chicago, Buffalo, and Ireland in pursuit of a German spy, Von Bork. In another work, this man learns the story of Agent Bertie Edwards and how he brought the Vermisa Valley gang to justice. In another story, this man tracks down ex-KKK members and accuses the crew of the Lone Star of murder. That story, The Five Orange Pips, can be found along with others in the book titled For the Adventures of This Man. Another story in that collection, A Scandal in Bohemia, sees this character meet a possible romantic interest, Irene Adler. For ten points, name detective name this detective created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. That is Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. You got him last week also. I did get him last week. I, I started yeah, I to think to... about Sherlock, Col- Sherlock Holmes, and then it said ex-KKK members, and I'm like, oh, no, because Sherlock Holmes is like, you know, you so know classy England, which has no was... KKK. There was too much American stuff in there for me to think. There was, yeah. Holmes. And I think that's, yeah. like that's when it said, why. Yeah. Probably why yeah, they when it said like Orange Pips, I knew it, but then you, that's when you were right when you buzzed in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the title gave it to me. I was trying to remember because uh, which one, that, you know, if it was Sherlock Holmes or not. Like, the first Sherlock Holmes story starts in Utah. Like, the very first one, Studying mm, Scarlet. Yeah, huh. That's true. Yeah. yeah so. I have read zero of them and am functioning basically on my uh, sort of pop culture-influenced idea of what might be in Sherlock Holmes stories. So probably I should rectify that. I um, do be careful with that because I listened to them all in audiobook. I found a complete collection all read by the same narrator, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize until it was too late that they were in alphabetical order instead oh, of chronological no. order. Um, so fun fact, why? I don't know. It was, I mean, it was probably bootleg, so that's probably why. Okay. But um, when I was going through it, we had the return of Sherlock Holmes before I had the death of Sherlock Holmes. Right. <laughs> You're like, wow, where's he been? Also, spoilers. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> I feel like the statute of limitations on that information has passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> we talked time. about the death of Sherlock Holmes in like uh, in one of the quizzes early in one of the early episodes of this podcast. Yeah, with the Reichen. Very nice. Film, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The yeah. other reason why I suspect it was bootleg is because there was one story where there was an unedited like sentence that the narrator could not read, and I got to listen to him do it like five different <laughs> times and start swearing. It was so good. I wish I could remember who it was. It was delightful. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, next question. Bugger. Nice. One method to measure the amount of this element in a substance involves heating with sulfuric acid and is named after after Kjeldal. Two molecules of this element appear in a compound used in both the Wolf-Kishner reduction and rocket fuel. It is bonded to carbon in a notably toxic 
notably toxic compound that smells like almonds and this nictogen can have an oxidation number anywhere between negative three and positive five. For 10 points, name this most abundant atmospheric element with atomic number seven. And the answer is nitrogen. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so score update. Uh, nice. Roe is still in the lead at 65. Emily's at 50. Kate's at 40. I'm at 15. Uh, Marianne is at 10. And Dino is supporting the group. I'm, I'm, I'm basically losing every buzzer race I enter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, It's the buzzer. It's always the buzzer. Always the buzzer. Always the buzzer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Finally, history. Yeah. And Dino's on the board. And out of the hole. He wrote the polemic Anticato to challenge Cicero's own letter praising Cato the Younger, and he was accused of conspiring with the participants in the Catline conspiracy. As a general, he was defeated at Gregovia, but won important victories at Alesia and Pharsalus, the former against Vercingetorix, and the latter against his rival Pompey the Great who made up the first triumvirate along with Crassus and this man. For 10 points, name this Roman general and leader who was appointed dictator in 49 BC and assassinated on the Ides of March in 44 BC. And the correct answer is Gaius Julius Caesar. Nice. I feel like having to read the question is like <laughs> your consequence. At this point, I'm just like, oh, Fine, okay. the point you have to say all those words. <laughs> it's like, okay, Anticato, Cato the Younger, General. Uh, yeah, I know all of that. So, <laughs> no, nice. You were, you were in way before I would have gotten it for sure. Yeah. All right. Next question Science. I'm going to take a guess here. Let's try this. Uh, oh, no. <gasps> I don't know. How can you oh, be dear. more specific? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's weird that it, that it prompted. That it prompted. On, yeah. Yeah. Mm, odd. Okay. Two of these characters test whether one object in Haskell has the type of another. An XML... It separates a namespace from an element name while it acts as a separator between keys and their values in JSON. In C-like languages, this character follows block labels as well as each case of a switch statement. It also separates the second and third arguments to the ternary operator used for compact if-then-else statements. In CSS, it separates property names from their values, such as font size, then this character, then... 12PT. Name this character that in URLs often goes between the protocol and the two slashes. And the correct answer is colon. Mm-hmm. I uh, nagged with semicolon. I used to know a tiny bit of computer programming, but not anymore. Not anymore. All right. Next question. Nice. This man lectured on the history of British juries as part of a 24 hour filibuster in 1957. In protest of a speech by Minneapolis Mayor Hubert Humphrey, this man joined with Mississippi Governor Fielding Wright to run for president, picking up four states' electoral votes in 1948 as the state's rights Democratic Party candidate. Six years later, he won election to the Senate as a writing candidate for the first of eight terms. For 10 points, name this one-time segregationist leader who retired at age 100 after serving 48 years as a senator from South Carolina. Correct answer 
is that bleepity bleep Strom Thurmond. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. And Dino has come out of nowhere and is now tied with Kate. Uh, Rowie's in the lead at 65. Uh, I'm at 45. Kate and Dino are at 40. Kyle's at 15. Uh, Marianne's at the next and is at 5. Here we go. Fine arts. Nice. Okay. The question is, the scenario for this musical work was first conceived by Nicholas Rorick, who designed its costumes and sets. Excerpts from it accompany an animation of the prehistoric Earth and dinosaurs in Walt Disney's Fantasia. Subtitles, Pictures from Pagan Russia, this Sergei Diaghilev production begins with a high bassoon solo. Its choreography by Vaslav Nijinsky ends with a young girl dancing herself to death in a sacrificial ritual for 10 points, named this ballet that caused a riot at its 1913 Paris premiere by... Uh, Igor, Igor, Igor Stravinsky. God, young, young Frankenstein has ruined that name for me. Pronounce <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein. Right? I, I can't see it without saying Igor, and it's very clearly not that. Premiere by Igor Stravinsky, although the, the stories of a riot are a bit uh, apocryphal. Not exactly accurate. That is the Rite of Spring. All right. Uh, oh. Of course. There we go. Yeah. All right. Many illustrations in the. How would people say this? Pludov. Salter. All right. We'll just we'll just get everyone being puzzled about how to pronounce that. Uh, mock this by comparing John the Grammarian to the crucifiers of Jesus. It arose out of a backlash to coinage issued after the Quinisext Council, and its opponents included. Nicephorus and St. John of Damascus. The first attempt to apply this doctrine officially was met with resistance at the Chalcugate, and it was condemned by the Second Council of Nicaea, convoked by Irene. Uh, followed under the rule of Constantine V and Leo III, the basis for this came from the Second Commandment. For 10 points, name this controversial doctrine, which stated that Jesus should not be depicted pictorially from the Greek for image breaking. Um, and the answer there is iconoclasm. And I don't know how to pronounce a lot of those words, even though this is theoretically my field. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why is there no pronunciation for the name of the Psalter? Right. Right. Like, <laughs> Kludov? Yeah. Yes, that's Kludov, but yeah. not a hundred percent on that by any means. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, Next question. Oh my god. Um, oh! Oh, oh my god. Oh, oh, they, they took it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like, uh, there's not enough time to type. Uh, the question is this 1897 orchestral work was based on a work by uh, Johann Wolfgang. Von Goethe, man, I'm so bad at pronouncing things, written 100 years earlier, which was in turn based on a work by the Greek poet Lucian. A scherzo, it is in three-quarter time. This eight-minute-long piece was featured in the third segment of a 1940 film. One section of this piece is entitled The March of the Brooms. Another character was originally planned for the role in the movie, but the producer chose his favorite cartoon instead. For ten mm-hmm. points, name this Paul Ducal work popularized by Disney's Fantasia, and that is... The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I did not get all of it out, but it accepted it. <laughs> I got the Sorcerer's nice. Apprentice, um, <laughs> and it accepted it. So Nice. Yeah. All right. Next question. 
<laughs> yeah, I should have gotten that a lot sooner. They're giving me all the classical music questions now, so this is great. Uh, <laughs> this composer's fourth symphony features extensive use of tritones, while his second symphony's third movement was partially inspired by, Don, by Mozart's Don Giovanni. There is evidence that he began writing an eighth symphony, though he completed only the tone poem Tapiola, the incidental music for The Tempest, after his seventh. One of his works features the Alla Marcia March, and his most famous work was written as a protest against Russian rule of his country. For 10 points, name this composer who played a major role in establishing, establishing Finnish national identity, especially with his pieces Corellia Suite and Finlandia. That is Jean Sibelius, which for my master's degree, my I wrote a symphony and it was based like partially on his seventh symphony. I should have gotten that a lot oh. sooner. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> It is really pretty tight now with the scores. Yeah. yeah uh, Kyle has at, made a comeback. Yeah, he sure has. Uh, Roey's at 65. Kyle and I are tied at 55. Kate and Dino are tied at 40. Uh, Marianne is at 5. Um, and here we go. Next question. History. Okay, I'm going to, like, guess way too early. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Treaty he negotiated with Britain in 1806 was rejected by Thomas Jefferson. During his presidency, the Adams-Onis Treaty was negotiated, as was the Missouri Compromise. While in office, Federalist Party disintegrated, and his terms were mostly marked by an end to partisan fighting and general goodwill, leading to the period to be called the Era of Good Feelings. For 10 points, name this fifth president of the United States. And that would be James Monroe. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. And Dino's up to 50. Uh, Roey tried to get in early to see if he could extend his lead, um, but he nagged. So he's down to 60, but still in the lead. I was I was too busy trying to figure out when the adams O'Neill Treaty was to see the Missouri Compromise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next question. Go. History again. Nice. Yep. All right. Question. This man was arrested following the proclamation of the plan of Takubaya. This leader was one of the chief supporters of the plan of Ayutla and led liberal forces during the war of reform. This man proceeded by Ignacio Comonfort started as started as a governor of Oaxaca and was forced to move his capital to San Luis Potosi. His his decision to suspend foreign payment led to the installation of Emperor Maximilian I, a puppet of Napoleon III. For 10 points in this first indigenous president of Mexico who opposed the French invasions of or French invasion of the 1860s. And that is Benito Juarez. All right. Next question. Oh, nice. Wow. Nice. Oh, oh, yeah. Good one. <laughs> During a contest against her brother, this deity chewed on pieces of a sword and spat them out in order to produce children. Worshipped at a shrine at Ise, she was born when her father was cleaning his left eye after returning from the underworld Yomi. After her brother threw a flayed horse into her hall, this goddess hid in a cave and refused to come out, putting the world in darkness. This daughter of Isanagi and sister of the storm god Susano'o is considered to be one of the most important kami. For 10 points, name the Shinto sun goddess. And the answer is Amaterasu. Very nice. Nice. You and Marianne got in on that like 
a quarter of the way through the question or something like a third. That was yeah. a great buzz. Yeah, that Thank was you. awesome. Yeah. I had to redeem myself somehow. <laughs> back, back in it. All right, here we go. Mythology again. I might get this wrong. Ah. Uh, <sighs> shoot. Ah. Okay. Uh, this is a mythology question. He was given the epithet Golantani due to the gold teeth in his mouth, and he has nine different mothers. Raised by boar's blood, seawater, and the force of the earth, his hall is known as the Cliffs of Heaven. In the form of the god Rig, he created the serfs, peasants, and warriors, and after Loki stole the Brisingamen from Freya, he disguised himself as a seal, sat by the thief, then hours later punched him in the face. Requiring less sleep than a bird, his hearing is keen enough such that he can hear wool grow on the sheep's back, and at Ragnarok he will kill all he will kill and be killed by Loki. The owner of the Gjallarhorn, he is the guardian of the Rainbow Bridge Bifrost. For ten points, identify this Norse god who makes sure no one gets into Asgard. Uh, and that is Heimdall. I'm over here googling how much do birds sleep? Um, <laughs> depends on the bird actually <laughs> requiring less sleep than a bird the answer is 10 to 12 hours at night and some cat naps during the day so like a, a, like a person requiring a typical like amount of sleep to humans <laughs> yeah that's not a great analogy <laughs> no although if you think about I it I wish I could get by on less than 10 to 12 hours a day. I mean I, I, I gotta think like back in the day Anytime a person would see a bird, the bird's probably awake, right? <laughs> yeah, but they also know that they go into nests and that they're not loud. I feel like this was poorly researched on the part of the ancient Norsemen. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's totally fair. All right. Uh, well, that was the timer. Which means that Rowie is our winner. Congratulations, Rowie. Well done. Uh, with 70 points. Kyle comes in second after Somehow. a uh, strong recovery. Well, all of a sudden, all the classical music yeah. questions that they'd been yeah. holding out on right. <laughs> came one after another. Uh, Kyle's at 65. I'm at 55. Dino's at 50. Kate is at 35. And Marianne is at 20. It was so fun playing with you all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Likewise. Really was. That was a good time. Yeah. I uh, had fun. Yeah. I had so much fun. Good. I think this is the first time I've played like act like actual standard quiz bowl in a long time. And it's uh it was it was fun to play it again. It's it's like a little different I don't know, it's kinda of funny just to like because I know so many people from Quiz Bowl who then went on Jeopardy that like it's very interesting to see people who have been on Jeopardy then come to play Quiz Bowl. Oh, it's so hard! It's yeah, really hard. it is, so, is murderously yeah. hard. It's this like, is this is a lot. Totally different, like what you need, like like a, a totally different like set wiring for your brain almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's sort of like I'm. Uh, exemplified in that in that Beckett question where we're like, what do you mean he wrote plays other than waiting for Godot? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you all for joining us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and thanks to our listeners uh, for spending this time with us. And we'll be back next week with Jeopardy. Jeopardy's coming back. Yay! Woo! Yay! Woo! Yeah. Before we before we sign out and everything, uh, I guess our guests. Is there any parting words or anything you'd like to plug? I'd like to uh, 
throw it. I, I got to throw in a, a, a shout out for a podcast that I regularly host with Gordon Pepper and uh, former Jeopardy contestant Jason Block. We call it the world's strongest game show podcast. We love to interrupt. It is on uh, 83studios.com. That's the number 8-T-H-R-E-E studios.com. All right. Check it out. I'll throw in a, a nod to my podcast as well, if Dino's going to do his. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Jeopardy or quizzing. Um, my friend Melissa and I, uh, she is a diehard WFT, excuse me, WB teenage drama fan. Um, and I completely avoided the genre while I was growing up. So um, we have a podcast called This Time Around. Emily, I don't think it's your thing if you're not into teenage romance dramas. Hmm. But for anyone else who's interested, we're currently discussing the cult classic. I use liberal quotes around both of those. Roswell from 2000. I remember Roswell. So if you want to relive it as uh, either a fan of the show or somebody watching for the first time like I am, uh, you can find us on all hosting services. It's This Time Around podcast. All right. Nice. I don't have anything to plug. I don't have a podcast, but <laughs> if you want me to be on your podcast, like, let me know. Okay. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. I was going to say, I also don't have a podcast, but I do work for a television program. So shameless plug, uh, first and perhaps most importantly, don't forget to support your local public media. I do work for a PBS station. Uh, I help make Washington week, which airs every Friday night at 8 PM on PBS or potentially other times, depending on uh, what your local PBS station uh, does with the show. But either way, I would encourage you to watch and uh, to support your uh, local public media, especially those who uh, who do good journalism and who uh, who cover local and national news. Well, well said. And absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, all right. Well, I got one more time. Thank you all for for joining us. And I guess we're... Uh, we're at the end of our time, so like Emily said, we're going to be back next week with a regular episode, recaps, and deep dive, and new Jeopardy. It has been a while, mm-hmm. but it is good to be back. So until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Bye.